And this woman who is going to AA, um, it's alcoholic treatment for alcoholics. And uh, the the, uh, the therapist there was talking to her about why she drinks and why she feels a need to drink and so on. And she said because she had committed adultery and uh, she feels guilty. So she drinks. And she says, because I sinned, therefore I feel terrible and I'm and I drink. So the therapist says, it's not it doesn't it does it's don't call it a sin. It was it was not a life supporting decision at the time. In other words, basically, it didn't work. <laughs> That's what was wrong with it. But it's not a sin. It was the wrong thing at the wrong time. She says, no, it was a sin. He says, no, no. It doesn't help to call it a sin. Okay. And they went up, they went back and forth like this. She was a stubborn. She says, no, it was a sin. And he wouldn't budge. So she called the barber's house and she says, I got to talk to somebody else. I can't, these people here don't understand me. And she tells me what she did. She said, it was a sin, right? I said, it sure was. Said, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, somebody I can talk to you. Because when you tell a person that it's not a sin, you've taken away their freedom of choice. This woman says, what do you mean that's not, what do I have to do to sin? If that's not a sin, <laughs> So a person says, "Look, I want, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of rebellious. I feel like I want to break out and do something you're not allowed to do." My <laughs> the therapist says, "Oh, there's nothing you're not allowed to do." Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's frustrating. I want to be bad. I'm in the mood. I want to be bad. What do I have to do? Kill 13 people before anybody will consider me bad? And even then. They'll say, ah, you're just misunderstood. <laughs> what does a person have to do to sin? In the olden days, it was very simple. I remember in yeshiva, we used to joke about it. If, if in the morning, before davening, we ate more than our piece of cake, we ate two pieces of cake, it was like, boy. Started day off on the wrong foot, didn't you? <laughs> it was a sin. It was sinful. Two pieces of cake. It's a lot better than having to massacre <laughs> a busload of children before you considered a criminal. See, that's the, the pity. The Rahmanis on somebody who doesn't believe in God is that he can't sin. The man will never know what it feels like to sin. Yeah, well, that's why. I think telling these guys, look, what you're doing is a sin. <laughs> don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it and don't whitewash it. It's a sin. It's your sin. <laughs> Well, that gets us back to how we started this whole conversation. 
if you don't know what a sin is and you don't know who you sin to, then why are you feeling guilty? And what good is it going to do to feel guilty? But if you know that it's a sin, and all right, this, is what, this is what we're leading up to. What does it mean you regret? You did it yesterday. Obviously, you wanted to do it. What are you telling me now you regret it? You don't regret it. You want to do it. You'll probably do it again tomorrow. So what is in between you regret when you have nothing else to do? <laughs> when the sin isn't available, you spend your time regretting. <laughs> but as soon as you can do the sin again, you're doing it again. So what is this regret? Should, it should be, yes. That's what it should be. Mm -hmm. right. A man is not nice to his wife. He doesn't commit adultery. He's not nice to his wife. He doesn't listen to her. He doesn't care what she wants. He ignores her. He's not nice. One day he wakes up and he says, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. I married a woman. One woman, and and she's not happy. I can't make one woman happy. It's asking too much. I feel terrible. I'm ashamed of myself. From now on, I'm going to be a model husband. I'm going to be perfect. And he makes his wife miserable. <laughs> Why? Because he's not regretting what was wrong he's regretting something else he's regretting some imperfection in himself he's not regretting what he did so he sets out to become a model husband but it doesn't make him any better to any nicer to his wife that's right that's right that's right that's right right now, when a person comes along and says, I've been thinking about my wife, and I realized that I've underestimated her. She has been so good to me that I can't believe that I could have treated her in when she deserves the best treatment. My tre so if, in considering his wife, the man says, I'm nasty to her? To her? To a woman who is that good to me, who means so, who I need that much, and so on and so on? To her? I can't, be not, I can't be not nice to her. And then he starts being nice. That's tshuva. So, is he schizophrenic? Yesterday, he made fun of her. Yesterday, he ignored her. Yesterday, he put her down. Yesterday, he wasn't... Until all of a sudden he regrets being that way. What happened? How can he regret what he enjoyed yesterday? The answer is he enjoys it today too. He enjoys putting people down. He enjoys being careless with other people's feelings. He enjoys it today too. It hasn't changed. But with his wife he can't do it. Because she's because she doesn't deserve it. Because she deserves better. So with her, he can no longer do it. Why? Because he thought about her. Yesterday he was thinking only about himself. So, himself hasn't changed. He's the same person he was yesterday. He still enjoys putting people down. 
but not his wife. He can no longer put his wife down because because he realized who she was or what she meant to him or something. The same thing with guilt concerning any sin. A person does a sin, and then the next day he sits around and he's depressed and he's moping and he's upset because he sinned and he's... Who are you kidding? You liked what you did yesterday. What are you telling me? All of a sudden now you hated it soon. You loved it yesterday. There was nothing in the world that was going to stop you from doing that sin yesterday because you just had to do it. And today you're sitting here saying, oh, I never want to do that again. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? You haven't changed that much in one day or in one week or in one year. What regret means is that yesterday you ate non-kosher food. You like it. And you knew that it wasn't kosher. And you knew that a Jew isn't allowed to eat non-kosher food. You knew all that, but you like it. Today, you were thinking about God. And you realized that everything you have comes from Him. Some of the things you don't want also comes from Him. Some of the things you don't like also comes from him. But everything you have comes from him. And it occurred to you that when you take that much, when you get that much from someone, how can you not at least reciprocate a little bit? So you can't give God life, even though he gives you life. You can't give him health, even though he gives you health. You can't give him success, even though he... but there is at least something you can do for him. He said, don't eat this. So you have to dafki eat what he says not to eat. And all of a sudden you feel terrible. That's regret. Why do you feel terrible? You feel terrible because to my God I can't be nice. What is, what's, what's, he deserves better. He ought to be served. He ought to be obeyed. When you realize that, then you won't go back and do the same sin again. But have you changed? No, you still like to for food. You still like cheeseburgers. But for God, you won't do it. Not a new love, a new awareness. So what's changed was, yesterday you were asking yourself, do I really care about kashras? No, I don't. I'm going to eat non-kosher food. And that was true. If you asked yourself today, do you really care about kosher? The answer would be the same. No, you don't. Then why aren't you going to eat non-kosher food? Because God doesn't want it. So what's changed from yesterday to today is that yesterday you were thinking about what you need and what you want. The answer was cheeseburgers. Today you're thinking about what God wants. God doesn't want cheeseburgers. So no cheeseburgers. Change your, your, your tastes, wants, gradually. Cheeseburgers is, is not difficult to get over. Other things are much more difficult.
belief in God the person always had. It's, it's a change in relationship with God. The person yesterday who ate the non-kosher sandwich believed in God. But, not, but it isn't necessarily that he didn't believe in God. So the belief is not what makes the difference here. The difference is in your relationship with God. Yesterday you believed in him. Well, in, in the same way in a marriage. How do you deepen your relationship? You know you're married. <laughs> you know there exists a husband, but how do you get more into the relationship? I mean, the guy who ignores his wife, he knows he's married. It's not that he doesn't believe in her. He's not, he's not into her. Belief is a very... That's right. He's not focused on her. He's focused on him. And, and part of him is his belief in his wife. Or having a wife. Yeah. What have you done for him lately? When that becomes the question, then your behavior changes. Without being schizophrenic. by asking that very question. What has he done for you? What have you done for him? Is the relationship balanced? Or is he putting in a lot more than you're putting in? Is he a lot nicer to you than you are to him? And, and here again, Christianity destroyed it. It depersonalized. I mean, this whole idea of a relationship with God is like a revelation. It's like, whoever heard of that? A relationship with God? Come on. God gives and you uh, sc scamper around on earth trying to do your best. But a relationship with God? And then Buber comes along and he's, uh, you know, turns it into a whole philosophical thing. By the very fact that we exist, we are in a relationship with God. You don't have to be a philosopher. What you have that is most precious to you, where did you get it? Not how, but where. Where'd you get it? From God. So, so there's a relationship there. So he's given you something. What have you given him? So well, I can give God something? Yes, that's what Torah is all about. God came down to Mount Sinai. Down. He came down. So that it's not just him sitting up there sending out lightning bolts and, you know, programming people. It's a two-way street. That's what Torah is. God came down to Mount Sinai to say, I'll do for you, but you got to do for me. It's a relationship. It's a two-way street. So the question of, what has God done for me, and what have I done for him? It's been, it's been attempted many, many times. It works, it works to us to, up to a point, but 
sooner or later there's a cutoff and, and, and there's a frustration that sets in. In the same way that a man trying to be nice to his wife can really improve, really become more sensitive, really become nicer, and a better husband. But at a certain point, he needs his wife to say, is this what you want or isn't it? And with all my best intentions, I need to know, am I on the right track or not? Say something. If the wife never says anything, then it's not the husband's fault anymore. And the same thing with God. I can try to be godly and to be good and to be holy and to be spiritual. Is this what he wants or isn't it? I have to guess. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. It isn't. Yeah. It isn't. How can that seem to me to be, I mean, have anything to do with God more, more than being kind to other people? For only one reason. He wants it. But I don't know that. Huh? It is the only reason. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's try the same... No, 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 wait, wait. Let's try the same thing in a marriage. Let's try the same thing in a marriage. A man comes, a couple comes to the marriage council, and the man says, I don't know what's wrong with her. I am wonderful. I will do anything for her. I do this, and I do that, and I love her, and I buy her flowers, and I get her things, and I talk about her, and I show her off to my friends, and I'm just wonderful. I don't know what she wants. She's not happy. She's complaining. She says, you don't come home on time. You don't help around the house. You don't help with the kids. He says, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I'm talking love. I'm talking going out and doing romantic things. And you're going to divorce me because I don't diaper the kid? Where are your values? <laughs> I'm thinking a, a silly example. But the point is that when we try to... Oh, it happens, yeah. But when we try to... to I mean, this is why we need feedback. Because no matter how noble I feel about my own intentions, I, me, this is what I think would make you happy. But who knows what... I mean, you're you. It's, it's possible, possible, that everything I've done so far just doesn't happen to make you happy because you're not that kind of a person. I'm that kind of a person. It would make me happy. I'm not sure it's making you happy. So if I could determine what makes you happy, then I would say love and flowers and parties and going out. But I can't decide what makes you happy because you're you. What I think would make God happy is probably way off base, because who knows what makes a God happy? I mean, he's God. <laughs> and when you say, what, this makes God happy? 
kashers mixing meat. Listen, <laughs> anything that makes God happy is going to be weird. And and if two Jews get along nicely, that makes God happy. That's pretty weird too. And if I don't steal your nickel, God's going to be happy. None of it makes any sense. But God says. But God says, yes, this makes me happy. Call me, you know, call me Shmendrick, but, but this is what makes me happy. <laughs> so when you're coming from the, from the point of view where, look, I think I know what God wants. I don't need him to come and tell me. Then no book is going to be of any, of any meaning. No prophet is going to be of any meaning. Because I don't need it. If I'm coming from the other direction, I say, wait a minute. I think I need God to say something. Then it's not a question of prove to me that this book is what he said. I'm looking for the book that he... There's got to be a book. I know that already. There has to be a prophet. There has to be a communication. Therefore, when I come across something that claims to be the communication, it's fine. It's what I'm looking for. Then I don't need proof. It's, it fits in. It fits into the relationship. So the real issue, I think, for most of us today is not the theological, hair-splitting arguments about who wrote the two versions of Genesis. We're not into that. For us, the issue is, do we need his communication or are we fine without it? That's really what it hinges on, I think. And if, it, if we come to where I need to know what he said, then Torah's fine. Let me picky about it. Torah says it's the word of God. If I want the word of God, I'll know where to find it. The question is, do I want the word of God or do I want to find my own way? Am I confident that I will find my own way? Then a, then a book becomes irrelevant, even if I could prove that it was from God. So it was for them, it's not for me, not for now. He used to want it, like the Christians did. Yeah, there was laws, but they no longer need them. That's because Christianity doesn't want to hear from God. They just want to get there. <laughs> they just want to get to heaven. They don't want to hear what God wants. It's a self-serving thing. If it'll get me to heaven, that's what I want. What does God want? Or the Eastern religions do the same thing. God want? God doesn't want. God has everything. It's blasphemous to think that God wants. If he wants, it means that he doesn't have everything. God has everything. <laughs> so what's the religion all about? Well, yeah, 613 mitzvahs is everything. In Judaism, it seems like he needs everything. But by, by in the Eastern religions, God doesn't need anything. There are no commandments from God. God is the perfect state of bliss. So how can he need anything? Which is fine. Okay, sounds right. But then, so what's the whole religion about? So what are all these people meditating, chanting, by, uh, idols, polishing, temples? What are they doing? If God has everything. So what are all these people doing? They're working at getting to God. But Judaism is not that way. We don't work at getting to God. 
We don't work at getting to heaven. We don't work at becoming him. We are here to serve his needs. He wants us to do this, we'll do it. He wants us to go there, we'll go there. He wants us to keep Shabbat. And whatever, you know, whatever he, he created this world for a purpose, and whatever that purpose is, we'll do it for him. And where will it get me? Not the trouble, I don't think. <laughs> okay. If he wants something, he must need it. Okay, so that, that becomes a interesting theological question. But the fact is that God says, do this for me. That's what Torah is. But the other religions have have tried to, to you know, to short circuit that. They, I have to get to heaven. God doesn't need anything from me. But that's not true. How could God need? It's a good question. But He does. I think they both have to be true, or, or, or neither of them is true. How is it beneficial to us if he doesn't even need it? Of what benefit is it to us if we're doing something he doesn't need? Then who needs it? You see what I'm saying? It's, I don't know. Yeah, but what are you doing for him? No. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole uh, contribution of Kabbalah is that Kabbalah comes along and says that for every mitzvah you do, you are bringing together the part of God that remained above with the part of God that is below. You're not doing yourself a favor, you're doing God a favor. In the process of creation, God divided into two parts. By doing mitzvahs, you reunite those two parts, the, fa the, the male and the female, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, I mean, whatever metaphors you want to use, but basically, you're doing God a service. And when we fulfill all these mitzvahs, what will the result be? What will, in the end of days, when we will have finished our service of God, what will the result be? The result will be, on that day, He will be one and His name will be one. Not we will get to heaven, but, but just as it's true that God is perfect and God is everything and God is everywhere, it is also true that he is incomplete until we do this thing for him. Bringing the world to perfection means bringing the part of God that is in the world together with the part of God that transcends the world. When that happens, of course, the world will become a much better place, and God will be one.